This is Celebration Church, but it's more than just a building or a church. We have a calling to be a place where people can find a relationship with God instead of religion. A place where freedom is found and acceptance given, and every person can discover their purpose and experience the kind of fulfillment only God can give. Together we will raise, lead, and empower a generation to change the world. Here, Jesus is famous, and all the glory goes to God. This is celebration. This is our family. Welcome home. Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our... Much of our congregation is still at home. Those are online in our campuses in Stevens Point and in the Fox Valley. Let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and this kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, in the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this Sunday morning, Pentecost Sunday on the Christian calendar, the day we celebrate the pouring out of the Holy Spirit, third person of the Trinity, into the world. And when the church was born and energized and went and just has been ever since then changing the world in which we live and advancing the kingdom of God. So I know it's a great day of celebration today. Uh, tonight, we're going to have a special Holy Spirit meeting where we're going to be praying for people to receive the Holy Spirit. If you've never had someone lay hands on you and pray to receive the Holy Spirit, you should. It's what they did throughout the New Testament, which is what we uh, looked at a few weeks ago. Uh, so uh, a lot of people don't do it, but we should. And if you haven't, you should. Say, what will happen? I don't know. You'll receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Our guest this morning will be explaining more about that. We're excited about it. Um, I'm glad to be back amongst the living. I was uh, really, really, really sick, uh, and then I got shingles on top of it, and uh, which really hurts and painful and quite miserable. I was just talking to one of the teenage boys out there. He says, you know, I, I told people you're sick, and it, it has to start with an S. He says, I, I didn't know what it was. I was telling people that, that you had syphilis. <laughs> and... Uh, You know, you know you're part of a forgiving conversation, congregation. When you hear the pastor has syphilis, you go, oh, let's pray for him. Goes, wow, that's, that's pretty compassionate. No, I do not have, nor have I ever had syphilis. It is shingles. Shingles, may the Lord be praised. And everybody said, amen. All right. So uh, <laughs> my last message I, I taped because I didn't want to make anybody else sick. Uh, but I was so drugged up at the time. I got done, and I couldn't remember what I even said. And uh, I, I said, Phil, I said, Phil, you need to listen to that sermon. He said, why? He says, I can't remember what I said. <laughs> so I said, if it's bad, take my notes and you do it. But he said it was okay. So anyway, uh, good to be back amongst the living. Praise the Lord. All right, before we go any further, yeah, three people clap. Before we, 
He's alive. All right. He's got syphilis, but he's alive. And, uh, and that's all good. Uh, before we go any further, we want to pause to take our offering. Um, for uh, those of you who are new, we got a few different versions of the offering. One is, if you would like to give a check or cash, uh, you can do so on the way out of the uh, campus this morning. And there'll be people with buckets, and you can put uh, your offering in at that time. Many people give online. They just sign up for recurring giving so that every week or month, or however they want to do it, automatically uh, it comes out of their account to give. And then there are those who text to give, which is what I generally like to do because I like to play with my phone way too much. So anyway, if you would like to text to give, you may take out your phone right now. And uh, this is your time, young people, where you can text your friends and everyone think you're being spiritual. Uh, so here's where you're going to send the text to. It's going to be the number 77977. That's who you're going to send this message to, 77977. And then in the text message where you have the little box of your message, you're going to type CCWI, which stands for Celebration Church, Wisconsin, and then space, and then the dollar amount, space, this is new, uh, and then you have to put in the designation of the campus. Green Bay here is what? G, then I'll show that, you got to okay, GBC. So CCWI, and then... Uh, Thirty thousand dollars, and then GBC or, or whatever you want to give, and uh, GBC, and then you send, and you pause momentarily, and then, ding! It went through. It says thanks. If it doesn't say thanks, you didn't do it right. I wasn't doing it right for the first three months of the year. I would just see something come up on the screen, ding! I thought I gave until I found out I hadn't given anything. And I went, oh, so I had to write a big check. That was a little painful. Uh, so anyway, that's how you do it. And uh, it's an in- easy way to give without having to have a checkbook or cash or anything like that, that little text to give. All right, this morning, we are excited to uh, have a special speakers with, speaker with us, uh, Bishop Sean Yost and his lovely wife, Barbara, from uh, Florida, Jacksonville, Florida. Uh, Bishop Yost was here two years ago for our Lenten celebration. And uh, I'll never forget, it's so funny. He, uh, he landed, and he was shocked that there was snow on the ground. And I said, really? He said, yeah, because I checked the forecast, forecast, and it said, no snow. I said, no, that means no snowing. <laughs> you know, it's, once it falls, it stays. He says, how long? A long time. I said, a long time. So <laughs> we still giggle about that. Didn't say it was snowing. <laughs> So uh, anyway, uh, Bishop Sean is a part of the same uh, organization that Bishop Ed is part of, that we are affiliated with, which is the Convergent Fellowship, which are, these are churches, and these are popping up all over the country and still doing it. And many of them just, they've just been doing it and no reason for doing it, which is what we've done for the last 15 years here, which is to combine liturgical elements, evangelical elements, and charismatic elements, which is the emphasis of today, and we blend, the, blend them together and try to have a balance of all of it. Uh, so anyway, I asked Bishop Sean, I said, listen, uh, assuming this goofy thing gets over and people can travel again, uh, would you come and we'll have a special Holy Spirit weekend? And he said, yeah, so we're have, happy to have him here this morning. Uh, last night, we had a special gathering of our Green Bay campus where we had people come forward and we prayed for them to receive the Holy Spirit, and it was great. Stevens Point, sorry. What did I say? Green Bay. Bay. I live in Green Bay. Stevens Point. So, uh, and then uh, we had a great time praying for them. 
And then we're going to be doing that here tonight. Again, if you have never had someone lay their hands on you to receive the Holy Spirit, you say, what's the difference? It's just energizing. It's very powerful, as Bishop Sean will be sharing this morning. And uh, anyone who's ever experienced it will tell you it is a life changer, and it's really a lot of fun. We're excited about that. So anyway, without any further ado, let's give a warm celebration. Welcome to Bishop Sean Yost. Thank you, guys. It's, uh, it's great to be here. And uh, Mark loves to make fun of me about that snow, but I was, I was blown away. I came off the plane. There was snow everywhere. And I was like, it said no snow. And it's laying everywhere. And he said, yeah, they just, he and Ed, Bishop Ed, laughed about that. That just means it's not snowing. I just never thought, it never occurred to me that it would just still be there all that time later. It was amazing. But Barb is here with me. We, we, uh, when we agreed to come up and be here this weekend, uh, we also planned to come a little bit early because our 30th anniversary was this last week. And so, so Barbara's here, and uh, we're celebrating 30 years. So I got online, and I just started looking up, what are the most romantic places in Wisconsin? And y'all all laugh, but it's not funny. You have some romantic places in Wisconsin. Uh, we were up in Door County, and that's where we spent this, this last week, and we stayed at some bed and breakfast up there at Fish Creek and that area. I mean, it's beautiful up there, and uh, we had such a great time. And, you know, one of the things that really struck us is being from the South, the South prides itself on Southern hospitality. But I'm going to tell you, Wisconsin has the gift of hospitality. We experienced the friendliest, most hospitable people since we have been here. And uh, so we're, I mean, we're just blown away by that. We love being here. Uh, we went to our first fish boil. Uh, and that, was, that was impressive. The guy that was doing it, he was like this old retired sailor. And he had all these sailor stories. And he's telling us all these stories. And then when he put that thing in, that flame went up. It was impressive. So we had our first fish boil. We also tried for the first time cheese curds. Yeah, you guys are proud of cheese curds. And, uh, and I think we've had it at least five or six times now since we've been here. So we're, we're hooked. And we are now cheese heads. So we love being here. We love being with Pastor Mark and Deanna. You guys have great pastors that love you so much. Uh, they, you, I know that you know that, but... First of all, one of the best speakers in the country, very talented guy. In the first service, he jumped up on the organ and just started playing with the worship team. I was like, man, I just, staying at their house, he'll just jump on the piano and start playing songs. You know, I'm walking around singing songs. They'll be stuck in my head now, one, one in particular that's for a marriage conference. Uh, it just keeps, she keeps singing it and it's stuck in my head. And so just such talent and they, they just love you guys so much. And so Mark and Deanna, thank you. Uh, for welcoming us into your home and into your church and this area. Really appreciate uh, the hospitality that you both have shown us and really inspired by the love you have for your church and the love the church has for you. So thank you guys for having us. Uh, today is Pentecost Sunday. And, you know, when we get to Holy Week, we come around Palm Sunday and Holy Week and Easter, a lot of times we talk about the significance and the symbolism and how important all of that that is. When on Palm Sunday, when Jesus rides in on the donkey, there's so much symbolism just in that moment. And he's riding in on what we call Palm Sunday. But the reason they were all gathered there, it was Lamb Selection Day. According to Exodus chapter 12, that's when families would come and select a lamb that would be sacrificed for their, for their family. 
And the priests would have to approve the, the lamb and they would have it for four days and then they would slaughter it at Passover at twilight, right? And that's the backdrop as Jesus rides in. And what did John the Baptist say? Behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. On Lamb Selection Day, Jesus rides in. And then we see all the symbolism and all the, the timing and everything that happened all through that week. He's crucified on Passover. And then Jesus, is, he raises from the dead on the, on the day of first fruits, on the Jewish feast of first fruits on that day. And what did Paul say? Jesus is the first fruits of among those who have fallen asleep. So you see, all this all comes to fulfillment in Jesus. Well, and then we get to Pentecost, and sometimes we forget its significance. And we think of it as a New Testament holiday, as the birthday of the church, and that is true. But Pentecost is actually known to the Jews as Shavuot. Shavuot is 50 days after Passover. So Passover, God delivers Israel from being slaves in Egypt, leads them out. 50 days after that is the revelation of God's holiness and the giving of the law to Moses. And, the, and that's the birth of Israel. And on Shavuot, after the giving of the law, Moses comes down and he sees the people have gone astray and they begin to turn their hearts to idols and they build this golden calf. And as a result of that, 3,000 of them are killed that day. 3,000 die. Now, get to the New Testament. Jesus is our Passover lamb. Passover is fulfilled in Jesus. 50 days after that is Shavuot. Again, people are gathered in Jerusalem for this feast, and we call it Pentecost. And then is the revelation of God's grace and the giving of the Holy Spirit and the birth of the church, and 3,000 people are saved. So you see how all this comes together. And when we see this, when we, when we get a better understanding of the timing, significance, and symbolism that God intentionally uses, we will begin to have a deeper understanding and realize how much God loves each one of us, how much we mean to him, and the great lengths that he's gone. And that's what today is, Pentecost Sunday. Around the world, churches celebrate it with all sorts of different traditions. In some churches, baptisms are performed all throughout the day. It's even known as White Sunday because of all the white robes that people will wear as they're being baptized. In Italy, I love this one. In Italy, one church, uh, actually several churches in Italy, celebrate the Sunday by they release rose petals from the ceiling to symbolize the tongues of fire that landed on. So they've got something rigged up right now and they're going to cue it. And uh, wouldn't that be cool if the rose petals just started falling? I like that one. Regardless of tradition, all agree on this. The purpose of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is to empower the church, to empower us to be witnesses of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 1, we read this, and Luke is writing this as an, an extension of the Gospel of Luke, and Luke says this, in my first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times nor seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. All agree that the purpose of the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is to empower us to be his witnesses. And that doesn't just mean witnessing, like sharing the four spiritual laws or something like that. It may be, that may be part of it. It means that we live our lives as followers of Jesus Christ as witnesses, that we are empowered to be his witnesses. Wherever we are, in Green Bay, Fox Valley, Stevens Point, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the world, right? We're empowered to be his witnesses. And wouldn't you all agree that we could use some more power? Anybody feel like you could use some more power in your life? A few, a few people? Some of you are pretty powerful already, I guess. But we could all use some more power. And, and power is the ability to do or act. It's capability to accomplish something. And I know I certainly need that in my life. And you will experience, if you haven't already, and I imagine that you already have, that sometimes life will beat you down, and you will be weary and weak. Anybody ever feel weary and weak? Certainly over this last year, coming out of 2019, it, there was a lot of weariness. A lot of us felt that way, just beat down and discouraged and weary and weak. And the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will give us power when we are weak, Paul says this in Romans chapter 8, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Holy Spirit is there to help us in our weakness. In fact, the Holy Spirit is even called the helper, right? He's there to help us in our weakness. And I like this image. Um, If you've ever done any working out or you've seen people work out and you get somebody behind you when you're like on, on the bench, doing the bench press, and they're your spotter. You have to have a spotter you know, in case something goes wrong. Our, Barb and I have three kids. We have a, a 27-year-old. He's married, and he has a little girl, our first granddaughter. Her name is Nora, and another one on the way. And then we have a 24-year-old daughter who's married. Uh, she's married one year uh, this month and uh, to an amazing young man, a firefighter, and they're all involved in the church. And then our youngest son is 20 years old, and uh, he's, a, he's very athletic. He was an incredible soccer player. He's just any athletic thing he does, he's very good at. And he likes to work out. So occasionally, I go to the gym with him. And I was at the gym with him one time. And he, when I'm with him, he likes to push me a little further than I can go. Oh, come on, Dad. And he adds some more on, you know. You can do it. And I start to feel like the, yeah, yeah, you're right. I can do it. I got this. You know, you get down there. And I'm on the bench. And I'm, you know, and the spotter's there. And what the spotter does, they don't actually do it for you. You still have to do it. But they'll wait till the moment that you are your weakest, and then they'll just assist you a little bit and help you get it back up on the bar. But you still have to do it. And it makes you get stronger, right? And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Thankfully, the Holy Spirit is more attentive than my son, Josiah. Because when, when he was helping me uh, not long ago, he got distracted talking to somebody, and he's over here, and I'm like, you know, my legs are going up. I'm like, Joe, Joe. Finally, he runs back over, grabs it, helps me back up on the bar. The Holy Spirit, though, will never be late. He's always there. But that's a picture. He helps us in our weakness. He doesn't do it for us, but he helps us in our weakness. And Paul goes on to say this in that same passage. For we do not know what we ought to pray, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through utterances that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with God's will. Paul is talking about praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues. And there's a difference in praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, and the gift, a spiritual gift of tongues. 
We'll see that a little bit more in just a moment. But Paul's saying here, this is what happens. Sometimes you feel weak and you know you need to pray, but you don't even have the strength to pray. You don't know what to pray. But the Holy Spirit helps you in that moment of weakness and you begin to pray in the Spirit. You begin to pray in tongues and you're built up. The Holy Spirit helps you in your weakness. That's what happens. In fact, Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, he says, look, I wish all of you would pray in tongues. And he says, because when you do, you speak to God, not to men. And he said, I pray in tongues more than you all, but I wish all of you would pray in tongues because when you do, you speak to God, not to men, and your spirit is built up. Your mind is unfruitful, but your spirit is edified. That's what he says. So he's not talking here about a foreign language. He's not talking about the gift of tongues because that's when you do speak to a person. Right? If you speak in a foreign language, you're speaking to a person. Paul says here, when you pray in tongues, you're not speaking to man, but to God. It's the Holy Spirit. And what happens, it says, it builds up your spirit. You're edified. He says, however, when you come together like this, I don't want you to get up on the stage and and do that unless someone interprets because no one is edified that way because edifying you. I'd rather you speak something intelligible that will build everybody up when you're together. But it is important that you do this to build yourself up because when you speak in tongues, your spirit man is edified. That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14. Jude says it this way. He says, dear friends, Remember, this is verse 17, uh, it's just one chapter. Dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you in the last times, there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly ideas and desires. These are the people who will divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the spirit. But you, dear friends, by building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. So Jude is saying, look, there's going to come a time when people are only going to depend on their own understanding and they're going to follow their own impulses, their own instincts because they don't have the Spirit. And they're going to scoff at you. And they'll make fun of you and they'll try to divide you. But here's what you do. You build yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. And then he says, you will remain in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. So we're instructed here to build ourselves up. That's what happens. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, gives us power when we're weak. The Holy Spirit, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we have power to have hope in a hopeless world. There's a lot of hopelessness around us right now. And certainly where we live, we've experienced it a lot, especially among young people that just look around like, what's the point? You know, they just get discouraged with everything going on in the world and they think, what's the point? There's just a hopelessness. And there's hopelessness all around us and the Holy Spirit gives us power to have hope in a hopeless world. It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to doubt when, when things fall apart, chaos is all around, and things aren't going the way you thought they were going to go, it's easy to doubt. It's easy to doubt when things don't work out. But the Holy Spirit gives us power to have hope even in those moments. Romans chapter 15, verse 13. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So... I think of it like, you know, if you ever cleaned out a, a dirty cup or a dirty dish, you put it in the sink and you just run the water in it and the water runs in and over time it starts to overflow the glass until eventually anything that was in the glass is now cleaned out and it's just pure water and it's overflowing. That's kind of the image I have here is that when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, even when hopelessness is all around you, hope will overflow you. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit. Seven years ago, our church was going through a very, very difficult time. That's when I became lead pastor. I'd been at that church uh, for over 20 years, but that's when I became lead pastor, and our church was facing insurmountable obstacles, it seemed, in the natural. Everyone thought there's no way this church survives the challenges we were facing at that moment. And I, Barbara and I both felt called to, to be there and to walk our church through that transition and through that season, not knowing what the future would look like, but knowing that's what we were called to do. And there were people that we loved that were having their feelings hurt. There was a lot of confusion, a lot of direction that was needed. And it was, it was a difficult, chaotic, discouraging time. And I can honestly tell you the thing that got me through many of those days was doing this exactly, just taking time to pray in the Holy Spirit. It might be shutting my door and putting the blinds down in my office and taking some time to just pray in the spirit because I, I couldn't even think the right things to pray. The impulse was there, but I didn't even know what to say. Or even if I did, I didn't have the physical energy because I was feeling the pressure of all this that I would just pray in the spirit. Or I would leave the office, go down to the beach and go walk on the beach and just get to a place in the beach where not a lot of people are around and the ocean is loud so no one can hear me and I could just cry out to God and, and pray in the spirit. And what would happen is that overflowing, hope would rise up, hope would overflow. And that's how we got through that season. The Holy Spirit will give you power to have hope even when things seem hopeless. And it's not something you have to try to conjure up. Something the Holy Spirit empowers you. Third thing, the Holy Spirit gives you power to speak. Chapter 2 of Acts, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. It filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to rest on them, each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then remember, there's so many people gathered there because this is Shavuot, this is the Feast of Pentecost, that when this happened, people were witnessing it. People saw what was going on. They heard it and they saw it. It was, there, was, there was a manifestation of the Spirit. People saw it. And they were so confused by it, the behavior that they saw, it can read on in chapter 2, people thought they were drunk. They're like, look at them, they're drunk. And Peter gets up under the power of the Holy Spirit and he goes, no, 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 listen. Listen, people of Israel, these, these, they're not drunk, as you suppose. He said, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. That's too early for that. They're not drunk, as you suppose. What's going on here, this is what was prophesied. This is what was foretold by the prophet Joel. And then he goes on and he gives this great inspired speech. And the people that were listening, they say to Peter, you can, in verse 37, it picks it up and he says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the, the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So this is not just the apostles. This is not just the 120. This is the people who heard what was happening. He says, in some translations, he says, men of Israel. In other words, the people of Israel, that all of you that are listening. And that's what he says to them. And he says, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children and for all, that's us, who are far off, everyone whom our Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness 
and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day 3,000 souls, the fulfillment of Pentecost, the fulfillment of Shavuot. He gives you power to speak. Peter was empowered to get up. And that, that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's going to make you get up and preach. But what it does mean is when you don't know what the, to say, the Holy Spirit will give you the words at the very moment you need them. My, my parents divorced when I was very small. And um, I, I was like, well, not very small, but I was like in third grade when they divorced. So I pretty much grew up without my dad around. And he moved out to New Orleans. And he went into a lifestyle that was just very self-indulgent. And we really didn't have a relationship, though I loved him. And uh, he wasn't really involved in our lives. He moved back more near Orlando. And uh, even though our relationship had been estranged, uh, estranged and we hadn't been very close, I still loved him and had a lot of affection for him. And I would go down and visit him. But then when I became a Christian, he felt very threatened by my faith. And I was only a teenager. And I, I, as I embraced my faith as my own, and I also pursued everything God had for me, and I'll talk about that in just a moment, and I had received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm down with my dad as in my late teen years, and he's like telling me, he's like, you're just like, and he started naming like all these uh, Christian celebrities that had had scandals. He goes, you're just like this guy, and you're just like that guy, you're a hypocrite just like them. I said, I know, I am, that's why I need a savior. And so do you. And he goes, oh, I didn't think you were going to say that. You know, like I thought you were going to argue with me. Here's my point. Before I went in to have those conversations with my dad, I would just pray in the spirit. And I would just say, God, just give me the right words for my dad. And I didn't have to try to figure it out. I didn't have to conjure it all up. The Holy Spirit will give you the power to speak. It could be in relationship to somebody you work with, a family member, or maybe it is somebody some of you are called to, to preach. The Holy Spirit will give you power to speak. So who can receive the Holy Spirit? John chapter 7, this is what Jesus says, or it says, and, and Jesus speaks in this passage. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood up and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, so this is for believers, Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him would later receive. Up to this point, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. And that's why it was after his ascension that the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is saying right here, anyone who is a believer can receive this. So who can receive this? Anyone who is a believer. That's any of you. It's not just for a select group of people, special people. This is anyone who believes. And that's what Peter said in Acts chapter 2. This is for you and anyone who is afar off, right? So what do I need to do to receive the Holy Spirit? Because it does often require us to do something. Even coming to faith, getting saved requires you to do something. You pray a prayer. There's a surrender, a yielding to the Lord and confessing your sins. You repent. You turn from this way to go this way. You have to do something. And so it does require that. In fact, in Galatians and Ephesians, the Apostle Paul is very clear that living by the Spirit required intentionality. We need to do something. So what do we need to do? Three things that I'm going to share with you right now. Number one is remove any barriers. 
So many things that we throw up barriers and resist things that God is doing and has done for us and made available for us. And we need to remove the barriers. And the biggest barrier is probably our own intellect. What we've heard, what we've maybe been taught in the past in some way, just our own mind, we get in our, we get in our heads about ourselves. We're very self-conscious what somebody's going to think about me. We've got to get that out of the way. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says, this is what we speak, not with words taught to us by human wisdom, but with words taught by the Spirit, explained, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept these things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. In other words, you can't try to figure this all out in your head. It's by the Spirit. It's the spiritual thing that's happened. It's spiritually discerned. discerned. And many people pass up divine encounters because they're only satisfied with what their mind can comprehend. The mind is often the biggest barrier. I have a friend that he says it this way. If we can fit God in our mind, we've put him in a box. If my little brain can understand all that God is, God's too small. Because there's no way I can comprehend it all right? And so sometimes we just got to get our head out of the way. It's putting our faith and trusting, trusting in him. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6 says, um, and Barb, this is my wedding ring, that Barb had engraved 30 years ago when we got married. And on inside, it says Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It's sort of like my life verse. And one of the things that it says in that passage is to lean not on your own understanding, Trusting in God and following him requires that we get out of our head. Lean not on your own understanding, right? But acknowledge him and he will direct your steps. We can't comprehend all that God is. I remember when I was a little kid in, in our classroom, they had an ant farm. Y'all ever seen those ant farms? And they little ants crawling around inside and uh, the certain kids that like to torture animals thump it. And it makes their little things collapse, and then they start to they have to dig them again. You know, you But imagine that ant farm. Imagine looking at that ant farm and trying to explain to that ant everything going on in this room right now. Trying to imagine explaining to that ant electricity and air conditioner and sound systems and all the stuff that's going on around us. That there's airplanes flying over, and there's you know right now there's all kinds of wireless communication. The ant can't comprehend that. See, see, this is like us. We're the ant trying to comprehend all that God is. We can't. It's, it's, there's too much for us to comprehend. God's given us enough revelation of himself that we can understand and be in relationship with him. We can't fully comprehend it all. We have to get out of our head, get, your, get that barrier out of the way. Second thing is request the gift. So first is remove the barrier. Second is request the gift. Ask God for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says this in Luke chapter 11. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is saying this. God's not going to give you something bad when you ask him for something good. He says, how many of you... He says, you're, you're earthly fathers, and you know how to give good gifts. If your kid asks for an egg, you're not going to give him a scorpion, right? Barb and I, when we were up in Door County, you know, I love our family so much, and I, I really, our little granddaughter has just, I mean, she has me wrapped around her finger. Her little voice, 
You know, when she comes up and just wants me to pick her up, or even when she cries, whatever she does, it just crushes my heart. I just want to hold her and kiss on her and give her things. We're up in Door County. Everywhere we went, I kept wanting to buy her something. Barb's like, she doesn't need another stuffed animal. She doesn't need another. I kept wanting to get, I love her. I just want to give her gifts. And I'm just an earthly father. And if we understand this, he's saying, you need to understand your heavenly father. How much more will he give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We just need to ask him. We just need to request the gift. Request it. I mentioned that when I was a teenager, I really began to embrace my faith as my own. And one of the things I began to learn about was the Holy Spirit. And my desire was this. If God is real and God is knowable, what could be more important than knowing him? If the God who threw the stars out across the sky, the God who drew out the boundaries of the earth and gave life to everything on this planet, if the God who created the universe is knowable and I can know him, what is more important than that? Nothing. So I I prayed, God, I want to be as close to you as humanly possible while I'm on this earth. I want everything that you have for me that will help me know you, that will help me be close to you, that will help me be in relationship with you. That was my prayer. That was my desire. And so I heard about the Holy Spirit and some meetings that they were having where pastors were praying for people like we're going to do tonight to receive the Holy Spirit. So I went to one of those meetings. I went up for, I went up for prayer because I thought I'm not going to be ashamed. If God wants to give me something, I'm just let me go and just receive it. And I just went up and I just received it. I opened myself up to the Lord and I said, God, by faith, I receive everything you have for me. And they laid hands on me and they prayed for me and nothing happened. In the natural not that I was aware of at the moment. I mean, I, I felt moved a little bit and I felt a little emotional, but nothing really happened until later that night when I got home. And as I was getting ready to go to bed, I was just kneeling down in my room and I was praying and I was like, God, thank you for everything that you've given me. And I, I do receive that from you right now. I receive it by faith. And I just, I want to be close to you, God. If this is something that will help me know you better and be close to you, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, open my mouth and begin to speak right now. And Paul says this. Paul says, I will pray in my understanding and I will pray in the spirit. You can't do both at the same time. And when Paul says, I will pray in the spirit, that's an act of his will. I will pray in the spirit. It's not something God made him do. It's not something God forced him to do. It's something he did as an act of his own will. I'll pray in my understanding. I will pray in the spirit. So I just begin to open my mouth and pray, God, just fill it. And I began to speak just a couple of like syllables and sounds that I really didn't know in faith. And it was just a couple of things over and over for what I thought was a couple minutes. And I felt like I was flowing, I'm just floating and something inside of me was like this, you know, I guess it was that river of living water. And I just looked down at the clock and I'd been there for like 45 minutes. Couldn't believe it. That's how it happened to me. It's just the point is, request a gift. God, I want to be close to you. And if this is from you, I want it. I I want your Holy Spirit. I want to be as close to you. And then the third and final thing is this. Receive it by faith. Everything that happens is by faith. You are saved by grace through faith, right? Everything happens that way. It's by faith. You receive it by faith. Hebrews chapter 11 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. That requires faith and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It's by faith, not by any other way. It's by faith. Second Corinthians is my last verse. It says, Man's, my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, 
but with the demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest in human wisdom, but in God's power. So many times, even in the church, we depend on human wisdom. We look at somebody's theological degrees. We look at their education. And then we depend on them to teach us what that, and and we do need to have that kind of education. We do need to have that kind of formation. But we don't need to depend on human wisdom. And that's what Paul's saying here. It's not by human wisdom. So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. You receive it by faith. Sometimes it's taking that step of faith. Years ago, I co-hosted a TV show that was like a reality TV show for young adults. We would go and live with them for a couple of weeks. We'd do these crazy like extreme sports and then talk about things like how it related to life. One of the events that we had to do out in Lake Tahoe was the flying trapeze, like you guys have seen in the circus, you know? And so they take us to where they train like the circus people, and we're going to all have to do the flying trapeze. I'm like, okay, that's cool. And we get up there, and you have to climb up this pole, and you're on this little platform. You're standing up there, and then you've got to reach out and grab the trapeze. And and then when they tell you, you have to jump and start to fly, right? And there's this guy behind me, and he's, I've got to lean forward. There's no safety harness. The safety harness is the guy behind me named Claude. He, He was a French guy, and he was very specific about how you pronounce it. I kept calling him Claude. He said, it's not Claude. Sean, it's not Claude, it's Claude, it's Claude. And so I went, okay, Claude. And so he was holding me by the back of the pants and he was, I reached out, grabbed the trapeze and then on the other trapeze is a guy hanging from his knees and he's swinging, right? And, and Claude told me when he says, hep, that's their cue, that's how they cue, hep. You have to jump and go, like right when he says it. So the guys are there and he goes, hep, and I didn't go anywhere. So he goes again, and he goes, hep. I didn't go anywhere. Claude says, Sean, you have to jump. I said, I can't hep it. <laughs> Finally, I got, I got, I did, okay, I did it. So he said, hep, and I jumped, and I swung out there. And then he says, hep, again, second cue. You had to let go. And you fly to him, and he grabs you. And, uh, you know, that's impressive. And so he grabs me, and I was so excited at work. I'm like, looking like, yeah, it worked. And then all of a sudden, I forgot he was going to release me and throw me back to the other trapeze. <laughs> I was so excited that he actually caught me. So then he releases me and throws me back. And as I'm flying, I see I missed it. <laughs> and now I'm falling into the, into the net, you know, and I was like so relieved the net was there. But the point is, sometimes it's like that. It's like we're saying, hey, and you're just going to take that leap of faith. You receive it by faith. Everything that we do is by faith. It's a leap of faith. It's putting our trust in God. Maybe you've seen the movie um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, and he goes through all these things, and he gets to this final one where he has to take a leap of faith, and he's standing at this like great like you know this chasm, and he's got to he's got to take the step of faith. He can't see that anything there. There's this moment that you see. He's like he, he's making this decision. You can see the anxiety. He stops, and he puts the leg out. It's very dramatic the way they make the movie. And then he takes a step, and he lands on the thing. He's like, oh, it's there. This is what it's like sometimes when we follow the Lord. We lean not on our own understanding. In all our ways, we acknowledge him, and he will direct our steps. We receive it by faith. Amen? And this is what we're going to do tonight. So between now and then, let's get the barriers out of the way. Let's come in. Let's request that gift. Receive it by faith. Those of you that have already been filled with the Holy Spirit, 
in, in the past, you know, Paul told Timothy to fan into flame that thing because like, you have to keep it going because well, sometimes we're spirit-filled but leaking and we, we need to be not leaking but overflowing. <laughs> Amen, that's what we're gonna do tonight. Would you stand with me? I'm gonna pray and then Pastor Mark is gonna come and, and lead us in communion here in just a moment. Just bow our hearts before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your faithfulness. We're grateful for your word. God, we put our faith and our trust in your word. We thank you for the things that we have heard today, the scriptures that we've read. God, I pray that these would be like seeds that would go down into the core of each one of our soul, that it would take root in our lives, that it would grow and bear fruit today, tonight, and even beyond this, Lord, that you would just, whatever you're doing in our life, God, we just want to receive it from you right now. God, I thank you for every single person that's here. Prepare them for what you want to do in their life. And God, help them to take that leap of faith to trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. Amen.